Good deal. Well, I'm Andrew Burchett. I'm the lead pastor here at Neighborhood Church, and I am also working on self-control. It's the only kind of control that's healthy and godly, self-control. But uh, as we begin this message, um, it, the continuing in, the, in this series, I'm going to invite my friend Don Rogers to join me and lead you in a little listening exercise. Good morning, Donnie. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning, neighborhood. Last week, Andrew shared about solitude and about the characteristics and the benefits of being able to get to a place where our souls are able to find rest and refreshing in the midst of the noise and the chaos of life. Did that resonate with people last week? Yes, it resonated with me. And I was sharing with Andrew that there's a very simple exercise that I'd like to share with you, something that I've been aware of for about five years and practiced. It's very simple, it's very tangible, and especially in those times where we find ourselves in situations where we feel rushed, where we feel anxious, where we feel like the noise of life is pressing in. So it's called a breath prayer, and it's based on Isaiah 46.10, be still and know that I am God. And this is something that's been around for centuries. It's not a new practice Our brothers and sisters in Christ have been doing this for centuries, and uh, it has this opportunity, this invitation for God to come in to the noise, to come in and to bring his shalom. So what I would like to do is just share with you how to practically do this. And the cool thing about it is you could do it at home or at work or when you're waiting for an appointment or when you need a timeout from your kids when you need that peace, that shalom, solitude. So it works like this. You breathe in, and then you breathe out. Be still and know that I am God. Why don't you just practice that with me right quick, okay? Breathe in. Be still and know that I am God. Okay. I'm going to add another component to this. We're going to breathe in. We're going to breathe out this passage. But each time we repeat it, we're going to subtract the last word. Okay, you get this? Okay. So we're going to take out God. The next time, am, I, that. Okay, and so on and so forth. Are you following with me? Okay, you ready for this? I just want you to relax. Close your eyes if you know this. Take a look at it. See if you can remember it. Try to close your eyes. Try to still your heart before you. Are you ready? Breathe in. Be still and know that I am God. Again. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know that I. Be still and know. Be still and know. Be still and. Be still. 
be. Just a little tangible exercise for you to take home. It was Mother Teresa who said this. Listen is in silence because if your heart is full of other things, you cannot hear the voice of God. So we've been teaching through this series that I'm calling Learning the Unforced Rhythms of Grace. This is the sixth installment of this series, challenging us to walk in Jesus' steps and at his pace. So for the last few weeks, I've talked about the posture of slowing and the need to find the quiet place of silence and solitude with Jesus to get filled up. This week, we're going to talk about the posture of listening Last week, I invited you to spend 10 minutes in silence with God. Did anybody try that this last week? I know some people did. I know my wife did. And it's amazing how long 10 minutes is and how distracted we could become. And I think as we talked about that last week, it begged the question, but how can I listen and know that it's God talking to me? This seems non-productive. Good news. That's what we're talking about this morning and most probably next week as well. Hearing the voice of God. So the format we're going to use is frequently asked questions. Oftentimes you see that online, the FAQ sheet. So I'll ask the question and then I'll answer the question. And we'll see how many we get through, and then next week we'll pick it up. Because my hunch is that we're not going to quite get through this, in part because I've slowed my pace in preaching, which means it takes longer to do anything. So, number one, where do we get this idea of God speaking to us? Well, there's a lot of places in the Bible I could point you to, but let's just look at the very beginning. In the beginning, God spoke and created the entire universe. So he's a speaking God. And then he creates humans, and he creates us so that he can live and be with us, so he could share his world and his life with us. And in the very first chapter of Genesis, God is speaking to Adam and Eve. Then God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of the earth, and every tree that has fruit yielding seed. It shall be food for you. And God goes on and on to explain how he's done all these things for Adam and Eve. After a conversation with a serpent, which is a conversation for another day for us, In Genesis 3, we see the first record of a conversation between Adam and Eve and God. And this is after Adam and Eve have eaten the the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what they weren't supposed to do, the forbidden fruit, as many people call it. And this is what it says in Genesis 3, verse 8. 
Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and so I hid. Well, just an example of a conversation. Let's fast forward a few centuries to a guy named Moses, who's kind of a superstar in the Bible. He's leading God's people out of Egypt. But before he's leading God's people out of Egypt, God speaks to him. And in order to do something really that difficult, you would need to get a clear sign and a word for God uh, from God. Otherwise, you're signing up to go and die. Exodus 3, you may know the story if you're a Sunday school graduate, of Moses who comes upon a burning bush. And in verse four, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look at the bush, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. So God is initiating and speaking to Moses. Leviticus one, the Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. It was this tent that was set up where Moses would go and talk with God. And Moses initiates conversations with God too. It's not just God starting conversations. Sometimes Moses initiates conversations. What's an example? Numbers 7, verse 89. When Moses entered the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he heard the voice speaking to him from between the two cherubim above the atonement cover on the ark of the testimony. And he spoke with him. So there's conversation going on. Sometimes God interrupts Moses right where he's at because Moses needs a little direction from God and God speaks to him. Where do I see that? Exodus 14. Moses has brought the people of God all the way to the Red Sea and they are starting to grumble and they're saying, you brought us here. Now the Egyptian army's coming coming behind us. We're all gonna die. Bad idea, Moses. You're a horrible leader. Poor Moses. And he answers the people and he says in in verse 13, do not be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. And, And this verse that I've been sharing with you now for the last three weeks, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Of all Moses' moments, I feel like this is a great moment. Man, great word, Moses. The Lord's going to fight for you. You just have to be still. What's the next verse say? Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. It's kind of like stop praying, start moving. God's not mad. He's just being direct. Directness does not mean anger. It doesn't mean you're frustrated. It's clear communication. Moses also asks questions of God and God's, God answers, like in Exodus 17, where Moses cries out and says, what am I gonna do with these people? If you're a leader or business owner or a principal or a teacher, you've asked that question. God, what am I gonna do with these people, especially in this season? And God answers Moses in the next verse. Walk on ahead of these people. Go be a leader. Love that. By the way, To initiate hearing from God, sometimes asking him a question, is a really helpful intro. More on that later. So Moses has this great intimacy with God, where he has these conversations. Exodus 33, verse 11, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Wow. 
So this conversation thing is really on God's heart. Now, what do the people of Israel think? Exodus 20, this is where the Ten Commandments are being given up on the top of Mount Sinai. And there's thunder and lightning and all all kinds of crazy fire on the top of the mountain. The people, verse 18, they stayed at a distance. And they said to Moses, "Uh, speak to us yourself and we'll listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Their fear of God that if we have a conversation, we're going to die. By the way, I think God's intention all along was to be able to speak to each of his people. And at that point, his people rejected hearing his voice for themselves. Then it had to go through a mediator until later in the Bible when you have the coming of Jesus and the Holy Spirit coming. Anyway, that's free. So we have these, we have these examples of where God shows us this is what, how he wants to, to connect with us. He wants a relationship with us. He wants to speak to his people and he wants soft hearts. Do not harden your hearts as you did at Horeb, Hebrews 3 says, where you didn't listen to his voice. So that's the Bible end of things. Frequently asked question number two is, does God still speak to us today? Really? You might be saying, okay, sure. Bible times, Moses, makes sense. Me, my wife, or my husband, I don't know if God's really speaking to us. The world says if you're hearing voices, it's got a term for it. It's auditory verbal hallucination. And it's, uh, it's called, it labeled likely a psychotic episode. In 1999, the Gallup poll people did a poll of Americans. And the Gallup poll reported that 23%, almost a quarter of all Americans, had heard a voice or seen a vision in response to prayer. 23%. Now, as you get into this research, you find that these were brief experiences. They were rare. They were just a few words or sentences. And even though these people were surprised to hear or see something, these experiences often made people feel more intimate with God and deeply loved. That is the fruit of hearing God's voice. We'll talk more about that later. It's been my experience and the experience of many of you in this place that God is still speaking and having conversations with us. In part, we know this because Jesus calls himself the good shepherd in John 10. And he calls us to follow him and he calls us sheep. And John 10, 27 says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. It was Henry Blackaby, one of my heroes of the faith, who wrote a a book called Experiencing God that was a life-changing book for me. He said this, if the Christian does not know when God is speaking, he is trouble, he is trouble at the heart of his Christian life. And At this point, you might be thinking, Andrew, this feels so hard. I don't know if I can do this. Yeah, it works for everybody else, but not for me. Hang in with me. Frequently asked question number three. Do you have to have a full-on relationship with God to hear his voice? Answer, biblically, we know the answer is no. 
Why? Because you've got Paul in Acts 9, who is an enemy of Christians and is killing Christians on his way to Damascus, and Jesus shows up, knocks him off his horse, if he was on a horse, knocks him on the ground, and speaks to him. Or Cornelius, who is not a full-on Christian in Acts, in, in Acts 10. So there's many other examples. I would guess that those who follow Jesus and try to hear his voice probably hear him more often. But the good news is that if you cry out to God, he will hear you. And oftentimes he will speak to you. I think those of us who seek to hear his voice hear him more frequently because we're tuning our ear to hear. Frequently asked question number four. Why does God speak to people we already have the Bible? Growing up, I heard, oh, well, it, this is, that was the period of the open canon, meaning the Bible wasn't finished yet, therefore God was speaking like that. But as soon as the Bible was finished, nope, God doesn't speak anymore. Uh, we don't believe that. We believe that God is still speaking. We believe that God is, this, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Malachi, God says, I, the Lord, do not change. So, but the Bible is a really important piece of this conversation. I'm going to show you this little list of bullet points about the Bible. So the Bible is the logos, the word, revealing who God is and his divine rescue plan for mankind. It's very important for us to know our Bible. It's the primary way that God speaks. Uh, the Bible helps us to understand God's character. Why is this important? Because when we're hearing words in our ears from God, it needs to line up with his character. The Bible also is the final authority, meaning everything that we think we hear from the Holy Spirit has to line up with the final authority of the Bible. The, the Bible, the word of God, helps us to get used to what God's voice really sounds like. It's voice recognition. And it's been interesting. I've been listening through the Bible this year. So I'm all the way to the very end of Deuteronomy. And just hearing the how God uses repetition to help us get things, it's, it's, I'm beginning to see that God's a God of repetition. If he's going to make sure you get it. And he has a certain tone to his voice. And I'm getting to know it because I'm reading the Bible. And just simply, God speaks through his Logos word. And it's all helpful. 2 Timothy 3 says, All scripture is God-breathed and profitable. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that we will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, when I think about the Bible, God's primary way of speaking, I think about the fact that how you read the Bible will also affect how you listen for his, his rhema word or his spoken word. What do I mean by that? Well, Jack Deere wrote this. For many Christians, the Bible is a book of abstract truths, kind of ideological things about God, rather than a guide to the supernatural, the supernatural realm of God's power. Dallas Willard, one of my heroes, writes, when we do not understand the experience of biblical characters in terms of our own lives, we're not connecting with them personally, we simply stop reading the Bible altogether. Or else we take it in regular doses 
choking it down like medicine because someone told us it would be good for us, like the pastor, though we don't find it to be so. (laughs) I've heard a lot of people say the Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth, which is a really, really cool, like, I wish I would have thought of that. That's a neat acronym. But I don't know how many of you, how many of you love reading the instructions to things you get? Raise your hand. Okay, there's a few of us. I'm in that category. I know there's a few of us. I'm a big nerd, right? But, you know, it's, it's like these memes that I found. The results are in. People still can't read the instructions. And then this guy in the middle, instructions unclear, got struck in the, stuck in the washing machine. Instruction manual, you mean the manufacturer's opinion? A lot of people see the Bible in this way as well. They see the Bible as, well, that's God's opinion, but I'm going to live my own way. I'm going to do my own thing. I don't want to look at the Bible as an instruction manual, and I certainly don't want to consider hearing his voice as just, I guess you got to get instructions, so I do the next thing. For me, I thought about it. What, what is the Bible for me? It's more like a guidebook for travel. I love guidebooks for travel. I read every single word, look at every picture, look up every website. Why? Because I'm picturing myself going to that place. I'm thinking, what will that be like? And I want to know everything about it that I can so that when I get there, I can experience everything that's in it. When I read the Bible, I look at it and I go, I can do these things. These things aren't done. These aren't just for the period of the open canon. These are things that we get to do all the stuff. I read the Bible and go, oh, I could pray for someone like that. Oh, we could see miracles like that. Oh, we could see weather. We could see the cloud the size of a man's hand come and actually water our land. I'm seeing the testimony of what's happening and now I'm imagining it in my life. I'm imagining going to that place myself. It's like the guidebook. I love guidebooks. But I also see it as a love letter where God who loves us so much is declaring how much he loves us. So we read, we've got to read the Bible for the right reasons. And that will also help the way that we listen for his voice. C.S. Lewis said, when we come to scripture, it's not a question of learning a subject, but of steeping ourselves in a personality. So I've been drinking a lot of tea lately. I'm still a huge coffee fan. But tea is interesting because... As the tea bag sits in longer and longer, the tea gets stronger and stronger. Nobody wants wheat tea. But steeping in the personality of Jesus, not being in a hurry to get on to the next verse, do you know it's perfectly acceptable to read one verse and stop for the day? Some of you are like, I gotta read a whole lot of stuff. The goal isn't to complete the book. We've got the whole life. We've got our whole life to do that. We'll read it over and over and over. Sometimes really all you need is one phrase and go, God, what do you want to do? What do you want to say to me through this? Unpack this for me. Show me what you want want me to see. I just want to listen. So then reading the Bible with this sense of, I want to listen, Holy Spirit, to what you're going to say to me through this. Not in a hurry to get through a bunch of verses. My primary focus on reading the Bible is I want to get to know Jesus. I want to hear his voice. I want to see him more clearly. I do want to get some instructions on how to live life, but that's way down the list. I want to steep in the personality of Jesus.
hearing what the Spirit says is a different Greek word, rhema. You have logos for the written word and rhema, which is that spoken word. The rhema, what we think God is speaking to us, always must line up and be submitted to the logos, the the written word. You already said that like three times. I know, it's called frequency. I've been learning from God because he uses repetition. Frequently asked question number five, what are the ways that God speaks? Well, I'm really glad you asked. He speaks in many ways. He speaks through creation, experiences, other people, circumstances, and even roadblocks if you read the book of Acts with Paul. Job 33 says this, For God does speak, now one way, now another, though man may not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on men as they slumber in their beds, he may speak in their ears, and he goes on to talk about even speaking through difficult trials. So God speaks in a lot of ways, but this morning we're just focusing on individually how we receive what he's speaking into our ears. So first one is the audible voice of God. Where's an example? Deuteronomy 4 verse 12. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but you saw no form. There was only a voice. Jack Deere says this about hearing the audible voice of God. The clearer the revelation, the harder the task God is calling you to do. This is because you will need that certainty later. This clarity gives you power to endure subsequent testing. For those of you who always want to hear God's audible voice, be careful what you wish for. Because probably he's going to pull you through a knothole and you need to hear something that clear in order to survive it. Examples. Jesus hears God's voice at his baptism. He's about to go into his whole ministry. Paul on the road to Damascus. It's a life-changing moment. Peter on the roof in Acts 10, realizing that those who are not Jews can also enter the kingdom of God. These are massive shifts. So the audible voice of God is necessary for that kind of certainty to be able to walk out that word. So I think it probably goes without saying, but to be a good communicator, this is more rare. It oftentimes is coming at a very important turning point in your life or history of the church. Sometimes it's right before a real divine ministry where you need, you're you're like, this can't be God. For instance, Ananias in Acts 9 is in Damascus and God asks him to go and care for Saul, who later becomes Paul. By the way, that guy was killing Christians. Ananias is like, "Um, no, I'm not doing this. But when God audibly speaks to him, he has the faith then to go and put his life at risk and minister to him. I really believe that God's mercy and his son always are put on display when God's audible voice is heard. And I do think that you can hear God's audible voice and not realize it's him. That's what happens to Samuel as a young boy in the middle of the night, where God is speaking, saying, Samuel, Samuel. He's like, and he goes up to his kind of adopted father, Eli. Um, did you call me? No, go back to bed. And so he didn't realize it was God at first. 
for the people that I know that hear God's voice, as I've asked them this question over the last few weeks, have you ever heard God's audible voice? Even people who really are tuned into God, usually of only one or two stories max for their entire life. For me, there was one time I heard God's audible voice. I'll share the story just briefly with you. I've shared it before. But I was in high school and running cross country. We were doing an invitational meet over at Clam Beach over on the coast. So we were enjoying the lovely downtown Arcata, California. And as we were walking down the street, one of my teammates decided to give the one way to Jesus sign to a man in a truck driving by. You know the one way to Jesus sign, right? I'm not going to show it to you. So this car, this truck stops, this man gets out and has my teammate up against the wall. He's ready to pummel him and tell him that there is one way to Jesus and he's going to send him there right now. He's also a very intoxicated man, which was unfortunate. Long story short, I'm walking along and I get pulled into this whole thing and I'm trying to de-escalate with words. Seemed like the wise thing. The coach, the last thing the coach said was, whatever you do, don't get into any trouble. And I'm thinking, okay, let's not get into any trouble. Now, so I walk up to this guy and he's like, oh, you want to fight? So he drops my buddy and now he's in my face. And I'm trying to backpedal. And I never saw it coming. I don't know why, maybe because I haven't been in very many fights, but this man's fist clenched and just struck me about the face very quickly, which normally wouldn't be a big deal except for the fact that I had my wisdom teeth out surgically removed four days before this. It really hurt, but it hurt my pride even more. Because in that moment, it was like time froze. It stood still, and I heard this voice over my right shoulder audibly turn the other cheek. It was calm. It was firm. It was not condemning. But I was sure. And it, it, it scared me awake. I don't know what to say. You know, sometimes when you're in the moment so much, and I... I just thought, I can't, I, I have to listen to this. This is Jesus. And so I turned around and began walking away from him, which is not always advisable when someone has just hit you once, you may get hit again in the back of the, the head. However, I think there was two very large angels then holding him back as I walked away, weeping, tears streaming down my face, humiliated, thinking I'm supposed to be a man. And I just walked away from this. But... The audible voice of God changed the entire experience for me, and it gave me the faith to move forward. I don't know if you've ever heard God's audible voice, um, but it's a really special treat. But let's move on to the next. The second is the internal audible voice. Um, let's look at Ezekiel 14 here for an example of this. So some of the elders of Israel came to me, Ezekiel, and sat down in front of me. And then the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, these men have set up idols in their hearts and put wicked stumbling blocks before their faces. Should I let them inquire of me at all? Therefore, speak to them and tell them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. When any of the Israelites set up idols in his heart, puts a wicked stumbling block before his face, and God goes on to give him the, the more of the word. 
So what's happening here? He's only speaking to Ezekiel in his mind. These men aren't hearing it. There's complete sentences going on. His heart is feeling the emotions of God. His heart, God is, is speaking Ezekiel's own language and, and using his own thoughts. And Ezekiel could distinguish these words from his own thoughts. And how did he realize that these were from God? Because they had an authority that goes beyond his authority. That makes sense? So the authority is the little flag that says, oh, this is not me. I don't talk like this. This is not my approach. This concept of the inaudible voice of God is oftentimes um, what many of us experience in hearing these things from God. And then I would argue that it's incredibly important, we'll talk about this next week more, to then apply great humility in delivering what you think God said. Because sometimes we get it wrong as humans. And so we need to offer those words in humility, confidently, but in humility, asking someone to test those to make sure that they line up with the Logos word of God, that they produce fruit that looks like the kingdom, that don't lead to condemnation, fear, obsessing, worry, all those things that are of the enemy of our soul. That's the inaudible voice. Third one, visions and pictures. Oh, these are the most fun. So mental pictures, images that flash in our mind just for a moment. These are really common with my friends around here, the Christians that I know. And I believe that deja vu moments, this is my opinion, by the way, not biblical, are often you remembering what the Lord has already shown you beforehand. If you've got another explanation for what a deja vu moment is, I'd love to hear it. But I think they're one of the ways that God is showing you, you can really see things ahead of time. And sometimes for me, the Lord, especially when I'm driving, the Lord will superimpose someone else's faces on, face on someone else. It happens to me all the time. So I'm driving, uh, true story, uh, I don't know. It doesn't matter what day it was. In the last couple of days, I'm driving and I looked over and I saw someone in a car and I double taked because I thought for sure, oh, that's that person. It wasn't. It wasn't them. But the first time I knew that I saw their face. I was like, okay, Lord, that must be my invitation to pray for that person. So at that point, I just began praying, Lord. And so I prayed for that person. Once I got to my destination, I pulled out my phone and just dictated a prayer. I said, you know, the Lord just brought, me, brought you to mind. I'm just going to pray this prayer for you. And away, and just sent it off. Didn't think about it. Got this text message later. Wow, how did you know? This is amazing timing. Thank you for praying for me. I feel so loved. Right? So this is a mental picture. But if you pay attention, God's always speaking. He's bringing things like that. Um, visions are like dreams when you're awake. Uh, like a little movie in your mind, and they're divinely inspired daydreams. So they could be really short, like one second long. And in some extreme examples with some of my friends, they could be lengthy, although that's never been that way for me. A few other things before we close here. Um, the next kind of hearing from God is sentence fragments or single words. And I'm going to invite my friend Gaylord Enns to come up and just share a quick story. Can I borrow that, that microphone there? Um, about a word that he heard, and then he figured out kind of where that was going. And this was quite a few years ago. 
Uh, but it's been a, this has been a real theme that God's used in your life. So what was that little fragment that you heard? It was 2005. I had uh, stopped. I'd been pastoring for 33 years, had followed in obedience a new path, and was ministering to young next generation leaders. Um, we were in a prayer meeting with a group of people that we met with in our living room. And uh, uh, we started, we were scheduled to pray. And one of the people in the room, before we started to pray, went, put their hands up and they went like, wait, 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 wait. Before we pray, tell us how Chico pastors are doing. Well, I had been, I wasn't pastoring at that time. And I felt like I was on the outside of that. And my first thought was, well, we're not here to pray for Chico pastors. We're here to pray for what Patty and I are doing with Servant Leadership Network and Love Revolution. But I didn't say that. I said, well, let me think about that for a minute. And I thought about it, and I realized that Chico pastors who had been meeting before I'd had my burnout breakdown were no longer meeting. And so I said, you know, I'm not sure they're doing so good. They're not meeting together like they were before. And... Um, so then this individual put up their hands and they go, okay, 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 I'm ready to pray. <laughs> so sentence prayers start. In that moment, I saw what was like ticker tape coming through my mind at this angle. And it was, as I'm reading it, I see four words, no need of you, no need of you, no need of you, no need of you. It took, because it wasn't audible, it took a little bit of time for me to catch what I was seeing. But then, as I realized that I then hear in my heart, these words are in the Bible and you need to look them up now. Just like the Lord. He's like, okay, they're in the Bible, all <laughs> yeah, right? Right. And honestly, I mean, it, they didn't seem like Bible words to me. I mean, it's like if it had been for God so loved, you know, I would have gotten that one. Uh, but it was like, no need of you. It's in the Bible. You need to look. So I don't even know if anybody knew I got up, but I quietly got out, up, went into this, uh, this office that was in the other room, and I picked up my laptop and I came and sat back down. I punched in those four words and I got one hit. Yes, you did. 1 Corinthians 12, 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. And the head cannot say to the foot, I have no need of you. And in that instance, God spoke to me and said, it's Chico pastors. They are living as if they don't need one another. And it's a lie. Yeah. Well, for the next week, I could scarcely think of anything else. The more I read that passage about the body of Christ and our need for one another, the more I realized it was Chico Pastors. It took me a year and a half to do it, but Andrew, I did send out a little note in uh, September of the next summer, and I said, I think I have something I need to share with you guys. Pastors weren't getting together, but I, I went down and uh, reserved a room for 20 pastors at a local restaurant. And uh, then I realized a few weeks later it was going to be 30 people that came. And so I went back and they said, well, we'll just set it up for 40 and that way it's going to be fine. Two days before, there were 64 pastors signed up. <laughs> and um, I think 56 of them showed up that yeah. day. 
and I shared this word with him, uh, and it honestly was, it was the beginning of Chico Pastors yep. Together. Yep. And now Andrew and a team of five other pastors continue to lead that. Yep. And I'm so grateful that God has this incredible ability, I don't know how he does it, to speak to us. Isn't that stunning how he would do that? Amazing. That's cool. Woo. Thanks. So, yeah, I was there. I was there at the restaurant. And uh, when you hear something from God and you step out, even if you're not even sure if it's God, the fruit will tell you if it's from God or not. I mean, that's miraculous. Do you know how get, getting pastors together is like herding cats? I mean, it's just, have you seen those commercials about the cat herders? I feel like that with the pastors. And yet, for that many guys to show up, that was, a, that was the fruit. That was the, the fruit of a divine word. So there's something about us just stepping out. I think, I think this could be God. It lines up with his word. It's going to lead me to love and serve others better. I'm just going to do it then watch what God will do. Because he will, sh he will bear fruit. His words will bear fruit. His word never comes back void. So just finishing up here. So sentence fragments, little words. Sometimes I will see just a word in my mind floating. Like Gaylord talked about a ticker tape. This is something just all of a sudden it comes into your mind. Uh, for me, I was in a staff meeting and we were praying and, uh, and I'm really quiet and I hear, you will lead a ministry of honor. And I'm thinking, I'm gonna do senior adult ministry? All I'm thinking about is honor your elders. Like I just, so I, I'm a youth pastor. That doesn't make any sense at all. Like, oh, see, I just have to like really rebuke the enemy because he's coming and, and distracting me. So I rebuke this in Jesus' name. You're, and, it, and it came again. And it came again, and, and I realized, oh, this might be God about the fifth time. And so I just began to go on a journey about what does this mean and began to study honor. And then the Lord showed me the need in our youth ministry. And as we began to lead students in a way to understand what honoring one another looked like, it completely changed the landscape of our ministry. Not only emotionally and relationally, but then our numbers just were exponentially added to so there are moments, sometimes when you'll hear a name. If you hear a name, then begin to pray for that person. You just, it just pops into your head. Or verse number. Sometimes I'm in worship, and I'll be getting ready to go up front, and I'll hear a number, and I think, I think that might be a verse. So I just begin, or digitally, right, looking it up, or a phrase. And the nice thing is, now you have blue letter Bible on your Bible, on your phone or whatever. You can look up a phrase like, no need of you, and find it very quickly. In the old days, you would have just had to know the verse. So, this is oftentimes how God speaks. One last way, and then I'm going to close for today, and we'll have part two next week. Impressions. Um, this is lacking the precision of sentences, but it's similar to intuition. Um, it's providing direct knowledge without any kind of previous knowledge. Stuff you couldn't have known before. A divine impression is different from human intuition in that human intuition arises out of our own spirit and divine impressions come in from God, if you will. So it can be a strong feeling that comes over you all of a sudden. Uh, the world would say, I had a premonition. 
You've heard that language before? We would say that the Lord impressed something on our heart. This is actually in the Bible, by the way. Let me show you three examples really quickly. Nehemiah 7, Mark 2, Acts 14. Nehemiah, so my God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles, etc. This is where you get the language, God put it on my heart. Mark 2, Jesus, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit whoop, that, that what, he, what they were thinking in their hearts. And then Acts 14, Paul looked directly at this man and he saw that he had faith to be healed. How do you see faith to be healed? You don't. God impresses it upon you. So impressions are this immediate knowing in your spirit. I want to finish with a cute little story that I read this week. And it was about an ice house. So before refrigerators, people would harvest ice when it was frozen. Lakes were, and rivers were frozen over. And they would use the ice house to keep the ice, even always, sometimes into the middle of the summer. They were incredibly thick walls. I remember the, the, the old Chico ice house here before it became the Jesus Center I think it had cork even on the walls and it was, the walls were incredibly thick. And so you would put these, these blocks of ice in there with sawdust and they would close the door really tightly and the ice would be preserved for a long time. And I read the story of a man who lost a valuable watch while working in the ice house and he searched diligently for it and I mean, they are raking through the sawdust. They can't find it. His fellow workers also looked. Nobody finds it. A small boy who heard about this search that didn't turn up the watch slipped into the ice house during the noon hour and soon emerged with the watch. Amazed, the men asked him, how did you find this? And he said, I simply closed the door. I laid down in the sawdust and kept very still. And soon I heard the watch ticking. And I think it's this way for us. As, as we close this morning, hearing the voice of God might feel like the most foreign, most weird, most scary, most unattainable thing for you. But just like that little boy, if we can find ways to, to still ourselves, and hopefully then we can give you some tools to help you recognize what God's voice sounds like. That's what next week will be largely about is how to recognize his voice and some very practical tips and tools that we have. But then I believe that God really wants to speak to you. He's always wanted to speak to his people. He's about relationship. And if we can steep in who he is, if we can spend quiet time, he will meet with you. He will show you things. And then the adventure is, if you think, I think that was from God. I'm going to go do that thing. This is what makes life so exciting. Because you think, I heard that, that name in my head all of a sudden. I don't know if it's God or not. Well, it wouldn't hurt to pray for that person. It wouldn't hurt to send them money if you felt like the Lord was saying, saying send them money. It wouldn't hurt to go and serve them or give them a gift or give them some time. So the fruit will be good no matter what. But God is really faithful as you're seeking to hear his voice. He'll whisper things to you. And then when you step out, he's going to bless you like crazy. 
And you go, see, that was me. That was God. That is life to the fullest. Living moment by moment with the Holy Spirit, listening for his voice, learning to hear his voice. We're all learning. So if you'd stand, I'd love to pray for you. I want to pray that prayer that I prayed last week over us again. Prayer folks, if you'd come down, the prayer teams will be here. If you'd like to receive prayer this morning, love to pray for you. I'll close with this little Celtic prayer. I weave a silence onto my lips. I weave a silence into my mind. I weave a silence within my heart. I close my ears to distractions. I close my eyes to attractions. I close my heart to temptation. Calm me, O God, as you stilled the storm. Still me, O God, keep me from harm. Let all tumult within me cease. Enfold me, O God, in your peace. Help us, Jesus, to hear your voice this week. We pray this all in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. For those of you who are stuck at home with COVID, we're praying for you. We bless you in the name of Jesus. And otherwise, all us healthy people, we'll see you next week.